us people who love when it's easier to be scared. Help us to stand in your love even when we are surrounded by fear. We love you. Good morning. My name is Chris, and I'm one of the pastors here at Horizon, and it's great to have you in worship with us. Um, I, had a, I have to admit, today's topic is fear, and I just had a huge moment of fear. Uh, we usually, we just kind of hide a music stand back here, because, you know, why would a music stand disappear? But they've recently had, like, a middle school performance, maybe Romeo and Juliet, um, like, like it wasn't back in my day. Um, but the music stand disappeared, but thank you to Erica for uh, helping to relieve my fears this morning. Um, so we've been going through a, a message series called End Repair, and we've been talking about five things that absolutely ruin and destroy and kill our relationships. The first week we talked about magnifying faults, and then we uh, talked about always that, that need to always be right. Um, and then last week, we talked about our need to compare and compete with one another. And today, like I said, we're talking about fear and how that ruins and destroys and kills our relationship. Uh, between the, the two of us, uh, between Eric and I, uh, you kind of always know what she's thinking, what she's feeling uh, by her facial expression. She definitely uh, wears it on her sleeve. Um, and most people think I can be... Uh, you know, I'm a little harder to read, and so today I wanted to uh, be a little bit more vulnerable with you. Um, I wanted to tell you a little bit about the story of how Eric and I adopted our son, David, two years ago. When Eric and I first started dating, uh, she would, would tell me about how she would want to adopt, and I would say, sure, that sounds like a great idea. You know, it's in the Bible. Yeah, absolutely, we should take care of the orphans. Um, I was in seminary at the time, and, you know, who, who was a better Christian? But, you know, we, we, our, our relationship progressed, and we struggled with infertility, and it was no longer just something we were maybe going to do because it sounded nice or because it was something we were supposed to do as Christians. And it became very much a reality in our lives that it was going to be an option that we were going to have to explore. And so we, we started a mound of paperwork and home studies and classes, learning about what adoption might mean in our lives. And I think one of the, the most first nerve-wracking things about adoption was we filled out a page of that thousand pages that we had to turn in and we literally had to check boxes about the kind of conditions or circumstances of a child that we would be willing to accept. And it was probably the hardest thing because we had to have some serious conversations at the time. I thought we were, when we were checking these boxes, I thought for certain we were just going to be 100% ready to make this jump, to make this leap. And so we were in the adoption process uh, for a really short amount of time, actually. It doesn't usually happen as quite as quickly uh, as when we got a call just a little over two years ago. It was December 27th. And when Eric and I happened to be in a meeting together, and I, uh, we were living in Nashville at the time, and I got a call on my cell phone with an 813 area code. Um, and when I was living, we were living in Nashville, I rarely got a call that I didn't already have your number with an 813 uh, area code, and so I was like, 
this is odd. I, I should probably answer this. And so I stepped out of the meeting and I answered it. And then I like stuck my head back in the room and I was like, Erica, I think we need to talk out in the hallway. It was our uh, adoption agency and they had told us that they had a match for us. There was a family um, that had given birth to a baby boy two days before. And there was two things that they were looking for. They were looking for a Christian family and a couple that was young. And so there was a low threshold that we were able to clear. <laughs> and so I'm thankful for that. But there was very few details at the moment that they knew about this child. Um, the parents had arrived at the hospital and simply wanted to place David for an adoption at that time. They didn't know about it. We had no paperwork ahead of the time. And it just happened. And so they said, how quickly could we get to Panama City, Florida? And so Eric and I uh, went home and, and packed some of our clothes for what we thought would just be a few days in Panama City. And there were five things, I think there were five things that they told us that we needed to bring. Uh, we needed to bring a baby blanket, uh, an outfit to take the child home uh, from the hospital in, a bottle, diapers, and then a car seat. And so we had none of these things at the time. Uh, luckily, uh, I worked with a, another uh, a woman that had a, a young child recently, and so they, they were letting us borrow their car seat. So we, went, we swung by her house to pick it up, and I had no idea how to put a car seat in a car. It's the most complicated, convoluted process. Um, another instance where I was just struck in fear of, I have no idea what I'm about to do. And so we started driving, and we ended up driving through most of the night to Panama City from Nashville, going through back roads, through Alabama, and it was dark. It was so dark. And when we got to the Florida line, there was just this overwhelming fog, and it was scary and fearful, and we could barely see um, in front of us, but we kept going. And so we, we, we made our way all the way to Panama City, and we checked into the nicest roof in we could find. It was the cheapest rate, because remember, we were saving all of our money for adoption, because it's expensive. And our room smelled like cigarette smoke, and Erica now was convinced that when we went to the hospital the next day, they were not going to let us take home the child, because we smelled like we had smoked. <laughs> we were filled with so much fear. We were scared at every step along the way. And so the, our adoption agency told us that probably about, about 10 o'clock that next day, after we got to Panama City, that next morning, we would go to the hospital and get to meet the child. And so 9.30 came, and Erica was ready to go, and we still hadn't gotten the call that we could go to the hospital. And then 10 o'clock came, and we were getting more nervous. You know, did they have second thoughts? Was something wrong what was going on? And 11 and 12 o'clock came, and 1 o'clock, and 2 o'clock, and 3 o'clock came, and we still hadn't heard anything. And it wasn't until 4 o'clock that day, Erica was trying to convince me that we just needed to drive back to Nashville, that we'd wasted our time. But at 4 o'clock that day, we got a call from our agency that we could go meet um, the lawyer that was handling the case. And so we met him out in the hallway outside from the nursery area. And he began to go over all the medical files with us of, um, 
of the child and his family that they had filled out. And we began looking over these records, and it just felt like they had checked every box of every condition possible. Um, the birth mother had very few uh, visits to the doctor during the pregnancy, and we began to be scared of, were we making the right decision? Could we really handle this? Was this the best thing for us? Was the best thing for the child? We were just overwhelmed with fear that day. And so as soon as we got these records, I started Googling and calling and texting every friend that I knew that was a doctor. Um, luckily, I had a, a few friends that were pediatricians. And I was like, what does this mean? What is this number? Is this too high? Is this too low? Are we going to be okay? You know, is this child ever going to walk? What does this mean? And Google is the absolute worst when you start trying to diagnose medical conditions because you know either yourself is going to die or whoever you're Googling this for is going to die because these are the worst things that could ever, the worst symptoms ever. And then so the next day we got up and went to the lawyer's office to, to do our side of the paperwork. And we were sitting at the table and we were, felt like signing page after page, acknowledging all of these risks that we be entering into. We had a sign that we received all these medical records. And there was a moment when Eric and I just had to stop signing. And we just looked at each other and we were like, is this really the best thing for us? Is this really the best thing for this child? We were scared. Absolutely scared. And I've always been, I think, a, a person that's been fearful. I remember back in school, I hated to raise my hand unless I absolutely knew the answer because I did not want to be wrong. Even to this day, I, I hate calling people on the phone that I don't know who I'm calling. I hate the cold call. Again, I, I probably won't, I usually don't answer the phone if I don't have your number in me because I don't. I don't know what's on the other side. I'm scared of it. I'm afraid of heights. I don't really like roller coasters. And I'm worried some days that I don't provide enough for my family. I'm worried that my AC could go out at any moment. It's over 10 years old, and we live in Florida, and you need AC. There's lots of things to be afraid of. And you probably have fears, too. And here's the thing about fears is they can be like a cancer. They can absolutely suck the life out of us, the joy out of us. Fear can ruin a day. It can ruin a year. Fear can even ruin an entire decade of our lives. Today we're, we're going to look at specifically what fear does to our relationships Fear comes from the Greek word phobos. Um, you've probably heard of, of phobias. It's the same word. Uh, fear is a noun. It's, a, it's an unpleasant emotion caused by the belief that someone or something is dangerous, likely to cause pain or a threat. Fear is an emotion, an emotion that we experience when we think something bad is going to happen to us or bad can happen to someone around us. 
Have you ever felt fear in your bones when it just kind of creeps through? You know when fear runs down your spine and it tinges? Or what about when fear is right here in your gut? For me, I most often experience fear in my heart. My heart will just ache with fear. The fear that keeps me up at night, worried that something bad is going to happen. We all experience fear, and there are a few ways that that most of us will, will try to deal with fear. The first way that we often deal with fear is, is courage. It's like almost the opposite of, of fear when we think of how you're going to deal with it. And courage says to fear, I am stronger than whatever that threat, that danger is. I can muster up enough strength that I'm going to go through. I'm going to go past. I'm going to overcome this fear. Another way that, that we often deal, deal with fear is through faith. We say, I know that there's something bad out there. Something bad may happen. But faith says that there is something better out there that can still happen than that fear. Something good will come from it. And then another way that we deal with fear is forgetting. We know that that fear is out there. But we move it to the back of our mind, to the recesses of our mind, and pretend like it doesn't exist, that it won't happen. Another way that we deal with fear is through addiction. I feel this fear, and it is real, and I want to be numb to it. So I'm going to have one more drink. I'm going to shoot up one more time. I'm going to place one more bet. And then I won't feel that fear any longer. And then there's one more way I think we often deal with fear. And this is probably my go-to for the most part, is logic. I can think my way out of fear. I can get enough reasons, I can gather enough information that this fear will not exist. And here's the thing. I think oftentimes all of these things, courage, faith, forgetting, logic, maybe not addiction, I think can be good ways at times of dealing with our fears. But none of them are going to last. They're all going to be temporary wins, temporary gains. None will give you lasting peace from that suffocating fear that you experience. Today we're going to look at a a passage from 1 John. If you have your Bible with you, it'll be 1 John chapter 4. It'll also be on the screen here. So 1 John chapter 4, starting at the 18th verse, says, There is no fear in Love, But perfect love drives out fear, because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. 
There is no fear in love. When you love, fear is driven out. Courage and addiction, logic and forgetting will not drive out fear. Love just as fear is a feeling. Love is not simply a cognitive commitment. Love is felt deeply on the inside. It's fiercely felt in our lives. And if you've grown up in the church, if you've spent any time in the church, you probably have heard this before. This is nothing new. But I think it's the most important thing in the Bible. God loves you. And I believe that God is not simply committed to you. God feels things for you. God passionately desires to know you. God sent Jesus into this world, into the messiness of our broken relationships, into our fear even. And even through death, God will fight for us. The love that God has for us is so great. And here's the the thing. The love that God has for us is also then in us. And God wants to use us to spread that love. To spread that love through our relationships. And there is no fear when we are armed with this love of God that can keep us from those messy relationships. When we're in this love, we're no longer afraid to adopt a child. When we're in this love, we're no longer afraid to talk to that person that's in need on the street corner. When we're in this love, we're no longer afraid to have those hard questions, have those hard hard conversations. When we're in this love, we're no longer afraid to talk with that friend that keeps making those unhealthy choices over and over again. When we're in this love, we're no longer afraid to go to those family events because of those messy, broken relationships. When we have this love, we can spread it. And this fear is cast out. If fear is keeping us from being in relationship with someone. We don't have a fear problem. We have a love problem. If fear is keeping us from relationship with someone, we don't have a fear problem. We have a love problem. If you don't feel the love of God for the people around you, join the club. I've been a Christian for most of my life. I've got a seminary degree. I've been a pastor for 10 years. And it's something that I'm still learning. It's not easy. When we first met our son, David, all we knew about him was what was on paper. Medical records, forms, Notes on a page. And at that point, he was 
a number or at most of the top of the most of the forms, his name was Bufa. B-A-F-U. Or B-U-F-A. <laughs> Baby up for adoption. And the night when Eric and I were finally able to go into the NICU and, and meet David for the first time, that's what it said on the side of his like plastic hospital crib was it said, Bufa. And as Eric and I sat there and held him, a nurse came over to us and she asked us, do you have a name in mind? And Erica proudly said, David, for the first time. And she took that piece of paper off of his crib. She went back to her station, found a note card and a Sharpie, and wrote David. And came back with some scotch tape and taped it onto the side. He was no longer a number or an anonymous name, he was known, he, he was loved. When we know that love, we're able to wade through all of the fear, all of the mess of our relationships. Because love says to our fears, you have no power over us. Love says to our fears, my heart is full. There is no room for you in here. Where is fear killing your relationships? Is it with a brother or sister? Maybe it's a neighbor or a parent. It might even be someone you don't even know yet. It might be that adoptive child or the person on the street corner that's homeless. It might be a stranger or the immigrant. But know this. Jesus told those that were following after him before he died. He said, the world will know that you are my followers by your love. By your love. Not by your fear, but by your love. And so when you leave today, you'll be offered a piece of chalk. It's just a, a, a piece of children's sidewalk chalk. But when you leave today with that piece of chalk, I invite you to write a message somewhere on a sidewalk. This message might be a reminder to you that fear has no control over you. Fear has no power because your heart is full of love. But may that message also be a reminder to those that see it that they don't have to fear. That there is a grace and peace that conquers all of their fears. Would you pray with me?
God of grace and love, you know our hearts. Our hearts so often